Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Movies. My name is Daniel Berrios, I am your host, and today starts a little mini-series of sorts on the podcast dedicated to the inaugural year of the Make Believe Seattle Film Festival. It's dropping, I mean, y'all are going to hear this episode at the tail end of tomorrow, March 23rd. So that'll be coming out right after the opening night uh, movie. But this uh, festival is going on in Seattle. I think the Capitol Hill region of Seattle from March 23rd to 26th. It's bringing on a, a bunch of genre filmmakers, you know, horror, the stuff that's more fantastical than your average drama, just the kind of movies that are really about like the imagination and how that can spark, I guess, you know, sometimes it's easier to speak the truth through fiction, through, and, you know, fantasy is an even further absurd extended part of the truth. I don't know, if you want to talk about the way that movies can kind of reveal the parts of your soul and uh, do so in a way that no other art form can really do it, it would make sense that something like going further into genre or going into fantasy or the more imaginative sides of what film can do can reveal even more. So what I'm going to be doing is covering a couple films from the festival. Of course, I'm in Denton, Texas, so I'm not able to fly out to Seattle on a whim. But thanks to Ted Gagan, I'm able to. Thank you, Ted, for giving me the opportunity to cover a couple of these movies. So without any further ado, let's talk about the festival's opening night film, which is, and prepare yourselves for this title, Aliens Abducted My Parents, and now I feel kind of left out. Just think of what it was like here. You know, back when the universe was brand new and just starting to form itself. And how awesome is that? And who knows? I mean, there's an alien dad and alien kid out there looking at us, too. Yeah, think? Only one way to find out. Mom, Dad, come back! My name is Itzy Levan. I'm 17. My dream job is to work at the New York Times as a journalist. No, 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 there's, there's two new kids at school. Just tell us three things you think of Chugi. Do you mean Chugi? <laughs> and I wanted to invite you to enter into a writing competition with me. We'll be in New York City in no time. I'm in. So what's the subject about? The requirements are to write about the strangest thing in your hometown. Not so much of a what, but a who. Ooh, my nunchucks. You can call me Kevin Kipler. You want me to write about that guy? Hard pass. So what's going on in there? Uh, it's top secret for anyone who isn't a friendly. Well, I come in peace. Yes. Live long and prosper. Don't, don't, don't do that. Oh, start, start. October 21st, 2012. Jesper's comet made his 10-year journey back into Earth's orbit. My parents were never able to see it. They were taken. Taken by who? Aliens? That's the hook. City girl falls for village idiot. He's not an idiot, he's actually really, really smart. If anything, he's the smartest person in this stupid town. And yeah, his story's a little bit far-fetched, but he's fighting for something. You really think they're still out there? Yeah, I do.
The movie stars Emma Tremblay as Itsy, a teenager who travels from big city to the very small Utah town of Pebble Falls. As any teenager who loves the city and calls it her home would be want to do, she immediately thinks, oh, my life is over, I'm gonna die here, Blah. but uh, realizes she can get an opportunity to kind of go back to the city when the perfectionist, uh, there's a girl named Heather who reminds me of the kind of person that is just obsessed with getting every accolade on her college uh, entrance uh, essay. Uh, Heather, played by Landry Townsend, very much a mean girl mixed with uh, perfectionist, like is in every extracurricular, every class AP thing. She's just obsessed and tells her about this competition for journalists that will allow them to, if they win, go to New York City to spend a semester working at like the New York at NYU, I think is what it's called. So realizing her opportunity to get back to the city, they she decides to work with this Heather girl to write an expose or this article where the prompt is, what is the strangest aspect of your hometown? Turns out the strangest aspect of her hometown is this boy, Calvin Kipler, who's played by Jacob Buster. And his story is that 10 years ago, he was hanging out with his dad, looking at this comet that comes to Earth only once every 10 years. And during that time, his parents were abducted by aliens. At least that's what Calvin believes. So you've got a movie where he, I, I mean, it's not that, you know, he saw some flashing lights and then he's trying to gain evidence. He's trying to like grab evidence that he can. He's going to the library or whatever. No, no, no. Calvin wears a spacesuit to school. Calvin is also the type of person that like made homemade like alien trackers and radio signal interpreters and all that type of shit. Like he made this shit himself. He's fully in the deep end. Like he is truly just on the hunt for both his parents. And as Itzy gets closer to him, starts realizing that there's more to Calvin than just being the space weirdo. He's also incredibly smart and kind and, you know, maybe she feels a little bit more for him than originally anticipated. Uh, this movie is sweet. It's family friendly. It reminds, it's given off a huge emblemesque feeling like, you know, the movies like E.T. and the Goonies, you know, those movies were like, the parents aren't really there. And so kids have to be the ones who figure things out and save the day, that kind of thing. And you see it in some of the cinematography. I mean, there's a lot of backlight in some of these shots. And my God, they are totally milking. If a character has a flashlight, you will almost get blinded by that flashlight. It's sort of the glory and the secret of these hidden sparks and lights sort of thing. When it comes to sort of lo-fi recent alien fare, or at least interpreted alien fare, this is not something like The Vast of Night, which popped up a couple years ago. It's one of my favorite movies of that year. And that one definitely leaned into the darker sides of alien interactions. This is more just the discovery, the fun. It feels very much like a movie where the props kind of look cobbled together and pulled from like a junkyard or pulled from thrift shops and 
it has the energy of whenever you're a kid and you're trying to come up with random shit in your backyard. So you start like putting pieces of metal and wood together to try to make a, in my case i was trying to make a working web shooter something that would actually hold my weight and i got nowhere near to where calvin has at least a prototype of this shit and so you look at all these devices and doohickeys that they start playing around with and that's fun it just feels like this uh it really just feels like you're hanging out with good friends and trying to go towards this purpose which is Oh, excuse me. It is late. The purpose of trying to get his parents back. Uh, we'll say that, like, you can tell it's sort of a low-budget movie. The green screen, like, whenever anybody is driving in a car in this movie, the green screen's kind of rough. But I will say what elevates this beyond just sort of your average family-friendly movie thing, I think, are the performances. The two main performances, Emma Tremblay and Jacob Buster, I really do think are something special uh buster in particular he just has this way about him uh reminding me a little bit of like a little bit of chalamet here and a little bit of like andrew garfield in other places just this sort of boyish charm and he's got like this goofball energy that is super infectious and it's fun to watch uh there can be characters that are sort of obsessive in media that can get annoying and a bit grating, but Calvin never does. Uh, Buster gives him this kind of aura, this weird confidence that comes with not giving a fuck what anybody thinks. So when you see him just walking around, and it's not like he's lording this over people, like, oh, I couldn't give a fuck what you think. Like, he thinks whatever the other person's thinks would be like beneath him. No, he's just comfortable being himself. He loves space. He want, he's going on this mission. He's hell bent on doing it and has that intense focus. And so it kind of comes off as the best of both worlds. He's admirable for his ambition, but he's also a sweet guy. Like there's uh, his relationship with uh, Emma Tremblay's character, Itzy, it starts as sort of this, like, sort of, I guess, at a distance, just because he's, like, mentoring her on, like, what his life is like. But then as the movie progresses, he starts learning a little bit more from her and starts kind of, like, getting more comfortable with her. You've seen him open up in ways where he stops speaking a lot of space jargon and starts kind of, like, reassessing his relationship with, like, main society. He's a character who living in a lot in isolation and has elected now to let somebody in not because like he's standoffish but because he genuinely thought no one would ever give a fuck and that's kind of where emma tremblay's character comes in i really think she has this difficult performance of having to really care for calvin but at the same time hold this thing where heather wants to make this expose a little bit more trashy and tabloidy than what would be, I guess, required or expected of the assignment. She's always about trying to shit on the kid. And I guess that's what she thinks journalism is. And uh, rec and you see the way that Tremblay kind of like fields questions and asks Calvin that she does. Her character does have an understanding of what journalism is and what the kindness that comes to that is needed to uh, what's it called? That's needed of journalists is. 
are. Like you need to respect the people that you're interviewing, I think. Or you need to really try to understand them honestly. And she does care. And she's sweet. She's uh, really good at sort of like poking his buttons a bit. Pushing them. And he's doing the same for her. So there's this little uh, spark. These little sparks of chemistry carry throughout the movie. And their relationship is easily the best part of this thing. I also really like uh, Will Forte's couple of scenes as uh, Calvin's dad especially there are a couple flashbacks where he's a child and there's specifically a scene where like Will Forte is like on a blanket with uh, the younger version of Calvin who's I think played by Thomas Cummins uh, cute little kid too man he looks like Jacob Tremblay too which is kind of like throwing me off like when baby Jacob Tremblay was in room give him like a fucking haircut he kind of looks like this kid it's weird but uh, they're lying on a blanket, they're looking up at the stars, and the way he's talking about the cosmos and sort of the majesty and glory of it, like, you immediately understand through Forte's performance and his tenderness how this is the kind of memory that would keep a kid locked on forever. That this would inspire somebody to not only explore the cosmos, but do so with such love and affection for their parent that they would go to obsessive lengths to do so. I really liked his performance in this thing. Uh, what I'm not as big a fan of is some of the, and I don't want to use this Hallmark thing as like a bad term, but there's some acting that comes off wooden and it doesn't help when the characters really aren't fleshed out as well. Like Itzy's parents to me are just nothing burgers. And while one of them, I think her mother shares a scene with her that's uh, something about like how Itzy is sad that she has to live in this new town and doesn't want to make friends and wants to go back and blah, blah, blah. There's that sort of like mother-daughter interaction there. But for the most part, they're mostly there just to spew kind of lame jokes and just be sometimes mild obstacles to what's going on. But I think mostly they're just there for like some quick comic relief that never really lands. And then there's the character that drives me up a wall, which is her annoying little brother, Evan. And played by Kenneth Cummins, who I don't know if he and Thomas are brothers or whatnot. It might, it might be something. But every time I saw this character, it's, I kind of understand why he's there. He's the annoying brother thing. He's precocious. He's the one that's kind of like whenever Itzy is full-blown into the journalism side of this, he's the one that is genuinely interested in what Calvin is doing and starts to kind of break down both of their walls in essence. But anytime they put this character on screen, he's always saying jokes that just don't land. They're lame. He's constantly in their shit. And I know the movie will utilize some of his qualities to the plot's advantage later, but it was something to where I thought anytime he was on screen, it just ground the movie to a halt. Like there would be scenes that are really important for Itzy's development and for sometimes Calvin's development or both. And he would interrupt it and it would just feel like the movie's completely shifted. Like we had really cool moments going on, really good character building moments. And yet there's this character sort of just interrupting it for the purpose of just being the annoying little brother. And it 
it felt so unnecessary to me that I just, I couldn't really get into it. And it kind of pulled me back from enjoying a lot of this movie more than I did. I think I was so much more interested in this notion of just like a journalist trying to figure out this kid and then growing to really care for the kid as he starts revealing a little bit more about himself and showing that there's more behind the scenes. Like, I wish the movie were slightly more simple in that sense. And maybe that would, maybe these other characters just extended the runtime or maybe they were trying to do sort of the E.T. thing with uh, Henry Thomas and uh, Drew Barrymore's characters, like brother and sister type of thing, that reflection of those characters. But I don't know. I feel like a more, ironically, a more stripped down version of this movie would just work out even better because you're really focusing on the things that make me enjoy the thing. But uh, yeah, it's just you're straight... As I talk about this, you could probably figure out what the movie's about. It's not very twisty and turny sort of thing. However, there are darker parts of Calvin's story. You know, his parents have been abducted by aliens for 10 years. Like, there should be a little bit more fucked up energy with this kid. But then again, it's... The emotions are presented in such a way that I think even younger kids, like really young kids, would be able to kind of understand it. And I understand not wanting to lean so far into the darker sides of what the story could be. But I don't know. There's a part of me that thinks like, eh, give the kid a little bit more anger. I think he'd be, I think the the little kids watching this would be fine if the kid was a little angry that his, you know, he is basically orphaned at the age of like seven or whatever this movie has him as. I, I think that's right. Seven, because it's 10 years ago. He's in high school. Yeah, about seven years old. I'm just saying he's earned the right to be a little pissed off. But, you know, overall, I think it's a solid sci-fi movie. I think it's good to show kids this thing. Uh, the effects are sometimes a little bit, like, after effects, copy and pasty. But some of the practical work, especially, like, with fog and, like, when you see, like, wind blowing and it makes you, like, when the alien, when the UFOs show up, like, when you see the UFO in the abduction for the first time, it's like, okay, like there's some really cool practical work going on here on like a small budget. Like you can kind of, you can kind of figure out that it's a small budget, but it's admirable that the result of what they're pulling off with that budget. So yeah, I say give this movie a watch. If you aren't already at the festival and you haven't seen the opening night, I don't know when they're playing it again or if they're playing it again, but you really fucking should. I think this movie is solid. Uh, think this thing dropped at Sundance this year before coming to the festivals. So, yeah, this is kind of the real deal. Uh, Jake Van Wagner, solid work. That's the director of the movie, and I'm interested in seeing what he's doing next. I, I, I don't really know where he'd go from here. Maybe he's making more like family friendly stuff. Maybe he's going. I don't know. Maybe he's gonna drop like a crazy fucked up horror movie just to balance all of this out. Who knows. But yeah, as far as an opening night film for the Make Believe Seattle Film Festival, I think Aliens abducted my parents, and now I feel kind of left out. It's a pretty solid choice. I'm also very excited to see what Jacob Buster does next. I really think this kid's got like a good energy to him, and I, I want to see him in more things. But uh, yeah, solid, solid flick. And that's going to be it for me. Thank you very much for listening to another episode of The Movies. You can follow me on Twitter at TheMovies underscore pod. I've got Instagram and Letterboxd links in the description. And I'm going to close out this 
uh, episode, I close every episode out with a song. And I was originally going to do this kind of based on the feeling I got watching the movie. But as of like a couple hours ago, I just found out that my wife is pregnant with a daughter. I'm going to have a daughter. And I've been thinking about that for the last like couple hours and just, I don't know. The song I'm going to play is something that I kind of want to just put on my daughter's playlist. Her name's going to be Robin. Uh, I'm going to put on Robin's playlist. And it's one of those songs that kind of, I guess, is an infusion of what I want her world to be or her worldview to be. Just something where she's voraciously going for whatever she wants. And even if it's scary or if you're diving into the unknown, that kind of thing, you just take the risk and go for it because that's all you've got in this life. And so, I don't know, I feel like that thematically fits with the movie too. And this song is by Metric. It is from uh, their, oh, is it their uh, Fantasies album? Yeah, their Fantasies album. It's called Gimme Sympathy. And uh, yeah. Who would you rather be, the Beatles or the Rolling Stones? But yeah, thank you very much again for listening. Y'all take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and take care of the movies. Got no time to take a picture. I'll remember someday all the chances we took were so close. To something better left unknown We're so close To something better left unknown I can feel it in my bones Give me sympathy After all of this is gone Who would you rather be? The Beatles or the Rolling Stones? Seriously, you're gonna make mistakes, you're young. Come on, baby, play me something like here comes the sun. Come on, baby, play me something.